the Trojans passed their first test of the season. However, did with only 41 points, did USC's offense underperform against Stanford? And which Trojan defender made a bigger impact? I'm grading the situation. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching on YouTube or wherever you download your podcast, never forget, we are free. And I really appreciate you coming along for the ride, and I hope you're enjoying the show. By the way, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button you see there. If you haven't already, make sure you're doing it right now, and then tell a friend to do it again. Um, And I also, I want your feedback. Tell me what you like about the show. This show is interactive. Otherwise, I'm kind of just talking to myself, which I do a lot anyways. So, 35 points in the first half, 6 points in the second half, and USC still won easily. Uh, 41 points is going to get it done. I don't think there's a lot to complain about grade-wise. That's what we're going to do on this episode. Uh, nevertheless, there was a, you know, they weren't perfect, you know, for for 30 minutes, for a half, they were on offense. But somewhere down the line, um, they didn't perform as efficiently. And, you know, it's not necessarily that they weren't, you know, it was maybe by bad play calling. Um, I, I think what it came down to was three things. Uh, when you're up 35 to 14 at half, you're human. You might get a little complacent. Uh, you had the guy, the wide receivers, uh, the skill guys out there, they were kind of slipping and sliding all over the place, uh, which led to a few incompletions. And then also you had that offensive pass interference call on Brennan Rice uh, that took a touchdown off the board. Granted, it was a good call. Um, you don't see that one called often. They were both pushing and shoving, but there you go. Uh, should it have been 48 as the, <laughs> on the scoreboard? Who knows? Um, again, they won easily. Travis Dye said it after the game. You know, they, they, they took their foot off gas. And, you know, that's not what we want to hear, Uh after game two. Um, but again, they're human. It happens. And hopefully it doesn't happen anymore. And that'll be something for the coaches to get on them about this week leading up to Fresno on Saturday. But before we get to Fresno, we got to give some grades. So uh, as I mentioned, you know, if, if they did get a little complacent and they did take their foot off the gas, that, that's got to fall on the coaching staff, in my opinion. And so I'm going to give the offensive coaches, because we're going to grade the offensive side of the ball first, I'm going to give them a B-minus for allowing that to, to creep in. You know, they talked about discipline over default. Uh, you can't allow complacency to default when you're up big. You just can't let that happen. So 
coaching staff, you get a B minus uh, overall for the game. You get a, a solid A um, for that first half. I mean, five first half possessions, five touchdowns. Pretty good. Pretty darn good. It's hard to again. It's, it's you don't. I'm not jumping on the, on Lincoln Riley and 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 his assistant coaches, but again. Um, I don't want to hear Travis Dye or any other player say uh, we took our foot off the gas. I, I don't think they've earned the uh, the right to do that yet. All right, so let's get right into uh, the uh, the letter grade for each of the position groups. Uh, quarterback is this, this is easy. A. Caleb Williams, twenty for twenty seven. Twenty for twenty seven. Four touchdown passes, 360 yards, 340 yards. Sorry, it's off the top of my head. A lot of yards. And again, a few of those incompletions were, uh, you know, slipping and sliding. You had that pa- offensive pass interference. I guess there was two throws from Caleb late in the game that were I, I, were questionable for me. Those, those deep sideline fade routes. I guess he was kind of going big. Um, when it, at, I don't know. To me, it would like get the first down. Just keep keep the ball, keep keep the clock rolling. Um, especially, you know, you guys weren't feeling in the in the second half. It, it was kind of just to me. Those were throwaway throws. Either they're they're big plays or they're incompletions, and they ended up being incompletions. Nevertheless, you're not going to argue twenty for twenty seven, four touchdowns, over three hundred and forty yards. That's a great day. Anytime. The running backs, you know, on Inside the Trojan Huddle, the, the my weekly podcast that I do for WeRSC.com, I gave them an A. I'm going to stick with that, maybe A minus, uh, reflecting back a little bit. Look, Austin Jones did what he needed to do with his uh, with his touches on his return to the farm. Um, he just, again, to him, it was just another game. Travis Dye had his first 100-yard game as a Trojan. 27-yard uh, run for a touchdown. Untouched, unless you want to count uh, the defender barely grasping at the uh, the sweat towel. That was pretty much the only thing the, uh, the defense saw as he ran through a ginormous hole. Wide receivers, tight ends. Let's combine. I'm going to combine them. Uh, first touchdown of the game, Lake McCree. Beautiful pass from uh, Caleb Williams <clears throat> that got the game going. You had uh, Jordan Addison. He was targeted eight times, seven catches, 172 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, again, you had 20 completions with 27 pass attempts. If you watch the game, you saw the guys kind of slipping and sliding. Again, another not knockdown for the coaching staff for not having the proper equipment out there. Yeah, I'm really reaching here. So whether or not I, well, yeah, I'm reaching here. I don't really believe that. Um, I'm just having trying to have a little fun here. Nevertheless, you wonder how come Jordan Addison finished with 172 yards and, and two touchdowns when he did that basically in the first half. Why didn't he have 203 by the end of the game? Nitpick, 
And the offensive line, I got to give these guys something to kind of work for. They gave up two sacks. One of those was on Caleb. <clears throat> yeah, when you count to four Mississippi, get rid of the ball, Caleb. You can't hold the ball that long. You can't anticipate your offensive line to block for one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi, and defend Stanford. I mean, they're, they're not what we've seen from Stanford in the past, but they still have some pretty good players up there. Um, you know, David Bailey, freshman is starting at Stanford at defensive end. USC wanted him. He's going to be a beast up there. He had a pretty good game. So, a solid B plus. Uh, offensive line did their job again. They opened up the uh, opened up the running lanes for 164 yards overall uh, for the running backs. Uh, on that Travis Die touchdown, check out Justin Dietrich. He uh, he he really made that play go. I remember another play watching Brett Nylon uh, down the field about 40 yards after the play was over. I don't know how he got down there, but uh, he was looking to finish. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, there was no reason to run that far down the field. But it was it it, it offered me a chuckle, and I heard from uh, one source that the offensive line was kind of chuckling about that as well when he got back to the uh, when he got back to the huddle. So good on you, Brett, for playing through the whistle. You know, other than that, um, like I said. Overall, we're going to give the offense a, a B. Yeah, look, 31 points first half, six, 35 points in the first half, six in the second half. I anticipate them uh, playing better home for a full four quarters on offense uh, against Fresno State coming up. All right. So, up, there's always going to be some upside. Um, hopefully, coming back from the road, playing back at home in front of a sold-out Coliseum crowd. I think we're anticipating that. Uh, Max Williams sent out a tweet, pack the collie. There's a lot of upside to this team. We saw it, what they're capable of. Uh, so, you can go from cringing at what was happening in the past to cringing at the pump, to getting an eye-popping uh, eye check at your favorite restaurant. Inflation is hitting us where it hurts, and it where, where it really hurts. That's why I'm going to start using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, you can earn cash back thanks to Upside. So to get started, download the free Upside app. Use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit card or debit card, and then get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn up to three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are using Excuse me. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star, a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. So download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get five dollars more cash back 
on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. All right, let's move on over to the other side of the ball. Defense. How did Alex Grinch do? You know, I'm based on kind of getting a bunch of curveballs thrown at him, probably not preparing for a uh, RPO mesh. I'm going to give an overall grade a B. You know, I think they acquitted themselves pretty well for not being able to, uh, not preparing for this and making the adjustments to make sure that uh, they got the job done. Look, the run game against this is a, it's a work in progress. That's that's the best way of putting it. Um, but again, I, I don't think they were prepared for what they saw initially. They need, they need to get better work. And I'm just going to start at, at the defensive line and the, and, and the rush end. We're going to combine the, that group. They need to get more production. Period. End of story. You can't rely on Tui, Tui Pelotu, um being able to, you know, put, put the entire defensive line on his shoulders and get the job done. Not, you just can't. Corey Foreman needs to start producing like everyone anticipates and wants him to. You know, when you're going to come in tagged as the number one defensive player in the country at your position, and you're going to wear the number zero, you got to do better than what you're doing. Um, Hopefully, uh, he makes a a bigger jump from game two to game three. And he's going to have to because Romello height is hurt. Uh, we saw him after the game. He, he had his arm in a sling. Hopefully uh, it's not serious. We'll find out after we get a chance to talk with Lincoln Riley after Tuesday morning practice. Uh, hopefully you'll be watching this while I'm at practice. Uh, nevertheless, um, what Stanford was able to do offensively was a direct result because USC's defensive line could not get any type of push up the middle. Uh, I spoke about this. I, I wrote about this over on WeRC.com, and I, I mentioned this on my other podcast that I was part of. The last time I saw this type of offense um run effectively was when Chip Kelly was doing it up at Oregon, but they didn't have, you know, he didn't take that long to their quarterback handoff to the running back. They didn't take that long to make a decision. Uh, Tanner McKee and the Sanford offense was able to take their time because USC couldn't get a push up the middle. They just don't have the personnel right now to make it happen. So they were able to bow up uh, in the red zone, though. I mean, four turnovers. Again, um, <laughs> those were created turnovers. Interception in the end zone. Max Williams putting perfect shoulder on football. Uh, Thule running, you know, sideline to sideline, separating the ball carrier. Um just making big plays when they had to. 
um, again, opportunistic defense. So that's why you're going to give them a B, even though they didn't look particularly well um, against the run. And again, you had a bunch of penalties, uh, nine for 100. Uh, some of those, again, Pac-12 officiating, you deal with it. Nevertheless, uh, the linebackers, I'm going to give them a B as well, uh, just because of the situation, the position they were put in, not preparing for this type of offense, and the defensive line not really doing their part. Uh, so the linebackers, um, they, they did they did what they had to. And again, they really didn't give up any big plays. Eric Gentry, again, was uh, a big part of, of Tanner McKee being um, off with his throws and having a couple of interceptions. Uh, the secondary, again, you, you see the pass interference calls. But again, two interceptions. Uh, fumble, forced fumbles, and fumble recovery by uh, Mackay Blackman. So this is really, again, it's an opportunistic defense. I think they're, we, we, you want to see them get better as the season progresses, and that's the goal. But overall, I'm going to give that secondary a B. Um, the the pass interference penalties are dragged it down. Uh, but again, they they really didn't get beat too you know on on anything. So you, you just they didn't look bad. The defense I think is doing better than we anticipated, but they based on on what they have uh, the defensive line. If they can just if you can get more, I think uh, the defense will become even more opportunistic. On defense, I got I, I got to ask this question. Look, for, I, I may look. I don't think I mentioned it on offense. Player of the game, obviously Caleb Williams. He won Pac-12 Player of the Week. You got to give it to him. So real quick, back to the defense. Uh, Tuli Tuiapolotu won Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week. He had what? Um, what did he do? There you go. He had six tackles, four for a loss of 19 yards, one sack for 11 yards, uh, pass deflection, and a forced fumble. That is an outstanding game. It's hard to argue. Um, I don't even know if the uh, if that was actually his best, if any of those were his best plays of the game, though. Any of you remember the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High? You remember the character uh, Charles Jefferson? Remember when he leaped over the offensive line and tackled uh, the quarterback right when he got the ball? He had a Charles Jefferson moment where he met quarterback running back at the mesh point simultaneously. Boom. Uh, that was a really impressive play by Thule. I really enjoyed that. But, you know, um, I mentioned it. USC had four more turnovers against the Cardinal. Max Williams, he had an interception uh, of, of the first series of the game that he returned for 33 yards if he was a yard deep in the end zone. Got it out to the 32-yard line. That was his first career interception. Um, and again, I mentioned that uh, forced fumble that he had. It was textbook. Um, it's hard for me not to personally root for Max um, knowing what he's come back from. 
So, you know, who had the bigger impact? Uh, truly, obviously, you know, he he had a big game overall. But when Max made those two plays, um, both at the goal line, man, which, I don't know. Can you, I guess you flip a coin. You tell me who had who had a more impactful game on the defensive side of the ball. It's up to you, listeners and viewers. You tell me. It's all right. And uh, real quickly, we'll go over special teams. Yeah, I know on Inside the Trojan Huddle, I gave them a B. Looking back, I've been convinced I got to downgrade that to a B minus. Uh, you had a muff punt by Jordan Addison. They had they were two for three on their field goals uh, by Dennis Lynch. Make sure that comes across clearly for everybody. I know who our kicker is. Dennis always gets my respect. Um, you had two punts. One of them wasn't very good. And there was a bunch of kickoff return yardage that USC gave up. You know what, though? <clears throat> I'm saying this a little facetiously. Uh, maybe the return team was gassed. You know what? USC's offense scores rather quickly. So when you're getting back out there having to run, what, 60 yards downfield, you're going to get tired. But, yeah, they got to they gotta short up a little bit. Stay in their gaps. Get a little bit better. Um Otherwise, Alex, you're going to have to put every kickoff through the back of the end zone. You can't just kick it to the goal line, okay? Sorry. Do better. Um, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, I need to make sure um, you guys check out uh, the Locked On Pac-12 uh, episode when you're done watching a locked on USC, I did a crosstalk episode with uh strength McLaughlin. And uh, we started talking about the Fresno team. And we're going to talk, he's going to join our, this show on Friday when we, uh, when we get deeper into Fresno. So uh, let's see here. When we come back into the next segment, I'm going to uh, get into Fresno just a little bit. So Fresno, uh, they had a tough loss at home against Oregon State, which, by the way, these are USC's next two opponents. Um, Fresno State, they could... They, they could pose a challenge for USC. I don't see it happening. And let me, I'm just going to say this. So if we know that USC's defense struggles against the run right now, at least they're, they're showing that they're vulnerable to the, against the run. Um, we, they've also shown that they kind of flex up uh, in the red zone. They, they haven't been giving up the scores and they, they're creating their, you know, they're creating turnovers. <coughs> Fresno State has some issues when they get into the red zone. <coughs> Pardon me. Against Oregon State, and just remember, Fresno State was at home for this game. But let's flash back to last year when they traveled to Oregon. Same thing happened. They got in the red zone, and they turned the ball over. They literally should have won that game in Eugene. They lost because... Uh, they they succumb to the pressure. 
Well, at home against Oregon State, they lost on a last-second play when Oregon State uh, went for it. Instead of going for the tying field goal, they went for the touchdown. Boom, game over. They were able to do that because uh, Fresno State got inside Oregon State's 25-yard line seven times. However, uh, at home, they were only able to turn those uh, into two touchdowns. You can't do that against USC. You cannot trade field goal for touchdowns. And at home, USC is going to play as efficiently on offense as they have so far in their first two games. Um, I think that spells trouble for Jeff Tedford and for his Fresno State Bulldogs. I just can't see them all of a sudden playing a perfect uh, game when they 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 tend to uh, succumb to the pressure against big name opponents when they uh, when they have to perform well. I understand Jeff Tefford wasn't their head coach last year. He is their head coach this year, and you have the same players, um, including the same starting quarterback, uh, who's struggling in the red zone against top tier uh, talent. I think Fresno State and Oregon State have similar talent. So again, it's an interesting thing to look at. I think that's a recipe for disaster against Lincoln Riley. I'm going to go right out and say it now, and we'll uh, we'll get more into Fresno State uh, in our next uh, couple of episodes. And again, we will be talking with Spencer McLaughlin about him on Friday when he joins the show uh, because he watched the Fresno State-Oregon State game, and he'll have some good insight. My early prediction, unless I'm convinced otherwise, USC 52, Fresno State 23. So there you go. That's this episode of Locked on USC. As I said, when you're done here, go check out Locked on Pac-12. I joined for a crosstalk episode. We are talking all about USC. And I also give my opinion on on a couple of what surprised me so far in the Pac-12. I think you're going to enjoy this episode, and uh, I think Spencer uh, adds a lot to this uh, uh, to the show as well. So go check him out. He's not the homer some of you USC fans think he is. Pretty level-headed guy. All right. Um, I'll be back again for another episode tomorrow. You know what to do. Head on over to WeRSC.com for some more insight. I can't give it to you all in 30 minutes. You got Eric McKinney covering the team. You need to go check out Chris Arledge's musings. He hit another home run. And Eric McKinney covers the team like nobody. All right. Till then, you know what to do.